Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Why Not Our podcast. I am your host, Linda Cougarburn, and I am so delighted to have two amazing women on today's show. We have festival advancer and tour manager to the stars, Aoife Ahern, from advancing large-scale festivals of 80,000 capacity, such as Slane, Marley Park, Croke Park, plus many, many more, including working with Michelle Obama, Jay-Z, Prince, Beyonce, the list goes on and on. She's just an incredible, incredible well of wisdom, as well as Una Malloy, who works as an artist manager, booking agent and tour manager, as well as an event producer. She runs the music agency Turning Pirate and is based in Dublin. She's worked with amazing homegrown artists such as Lisa Hannigan, Buka Brass Band, Jerry Fish, Fionn Regan, Bell X1, Cathy Davey and many, many more. You are so very welcome to today's show. Hello, how are you getting on? Good. <laughs> good, thank you. Really good, considering... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, considering everything that's gone on this year, oh my lord! Um, I'm sure it's it's very interesting because a lot of the guests that we've had on the podcast have come from industries where they can work from home and you know still kind of get a feel uh, and and a reach out to what they were doing previous because they can turn to the digital aspect of it or you know musicians can you know record at home and they can do their creative thing, but working in the live events industry you kind of there, there was a big shift and we, we, I would love to talk about that um, in this podcast but initially just break down what the start of the year looked like for both of you and then how it kind of panned out as as we went into kind of February and March whichever one of these wants to go first go for it <laughs> Okay, sorry, I know I'm laughing, but um, I'm more laughing at the state of my life right now. So at the start of the year, I was on the Madonna tour. Um, so she was doing the, you know, the tiny venues. And um, so basically theatres. So that was amazing. That wrapped in, I well, I actually left three shows early because I was about to start a world tour with a band I tour managed called Tame Impala. I'd been advancing that since well before Christmas. So it was amazing. I literally wrapped Madonna three days early, flew from Paris to Las Vegas, began finishing off rehearsals there. No problem. All good. Did three amazing shows with Tame Impala. (laughs) Then within 12 hours, it all came crashing down. So we, we were actually in LA doing a show in the forum. We were doing a double show. We did a first show, second show. Great, no problem. We're meant to have a night off and we were traveling to Mexico to do our first ever stadium show um, headlining. And uh, the basically the, the tour, the, the, the future dates, which we had started closing, just getting canceled, canceled, canceled. So around, I think I was out having ramen around five o'clock in the evening when all this took off. I love the way you can remember food. It's like, I know. what was I that day? What was I eating? Amazing ramen place. Yeah. <laughs> we were out having ramen somewhere in Los Angeles. And yeah. usually I had to take a cab back to my hotel, which was like an hour drive across the motorway. Mm. I went to the hotel and I was beginning to get myself organized to sit down for a night of work of booking flights for, you know, our 80 plus crew. And then... I decided I was actually going to go to the crew hotel. So I went over to the crew hotel and I was going to go to sleep for a couple hours and get up at six in the morning and do all this. I got to the hotel at 1am in the morning and I started booking flights from around 1.30 and I booked flights till, I think my, I think I left the airport at quarter past three the next day. I booked flights till around 20 past 2pm following day. Booked everybody's flight. It was insane. Everyone's just going home. Yeah, I flew everyone home. Had to get, I had to get everyone home as quickly as possible because, as you know, airlines were starting to shut down cities. Yeah. Like I think San Francisco went into complete and utter lockdown. Like no one was allowed in or out of the city. Um, yeah. 
So that was like an incubator because a friend of mine was in yeah. Uh, yeah. San Francisco and they were like, oh my God, we've totally gone into our own like lockdown because it's such oh, a, right. you know, niche place. And I just was kind of going, really? Like what? And like, I just, I mean, before we got on this call, I was, well, when we were chatting in the background, I was saying to you, mm. so I flew, because I can fly anywhere in Ireland, you know, I have family everywhere and I've lived everywhere, blah, blah. But yeah. I said, um, yeah, to my travel agent, Ray, I said, you know, get me wherever. And he flew me into Belfast. And I got stuck in Belfast for five months. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, I feel you. I got stuck in, in Dublin, went home for a birthday party and I got stuck in Dublin in my sister's uh, sleeping on an airbed for five fucking months. Oh, I, but, um, I, 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 I was in the exact same boat. Yeah. But you know what? It, it, it's great to connect with family in that way because as adults and grown-ups when we have our own life and our own jobs and stuff like that, you don't get them opportunities, you know? Dare I say this, and I realise people are probably going to start spitting when I say this, <laughs> there has been a silver lining to all of this and mm. I realise that there are so many horrific things like no work, mm. no money, eating yeah. whatever savings, like loneliness, depression, mm you know, fear of when we'll get back on the road, all those type of things. But yeah. there has been silver linings. Yeah, there has. And I think that like that connectedness that probably yeah. wasn't there in the capacity that it is now was certainly yeah. something that I have definitely rediscovered. And I've connected with my, my sister and my nieces in ways I would never have, you know, and I and thought that was great. Maybe yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Having to yeah. stand still for a minute and actually stop and take a breath. Yeah, well, for you, because you're always on to go. Like, <laughs> like this is going to sound insane. So I basically, from July, began to get healthy. I've lost three stone in weight. I'm feeling amazing. I know, don't get me wrong, like, I have all the other worries and all that, but what I realized is, since I've been 15, I've been looking after an artist or looking after someone. I've mm-hmm. never looked after me. I haven't even come into the equation. So yeah. now I'm like, oh, okay, I... I am now part of it. And that's yeah. an interesting thing, you know, for Una, I don't know if you've had that. I've, it's been a game of two halves for me <laughs> on the health front. But uh, yeah. I'm a lot more happy than the first. Um, and I mean, like, and, and Una, you, like, because you, Last Lane only launched, like, um, in the last year or so, and it was starting to get, you know, massive and getting trolls of people at it. And there's so much work that goes into that. Can you just tell me a little bit about that kind of journey and, um, you know, what COVID kind of did in terms of the, how that effect, how it was affected and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, from... I suppose there's two, I kind of have two hats and then I have the Lost Lane hat and then the Turning Pirate hat, which is like oh. an agency. Um, I spent a lot of time touring, like Aoife, it's just when you're talking about that, Aoife, I was just like, oh my God, just the thought, that ha- it's it, like, it's been, because I stopped kind of, I stopped doing any sort of proper touring when my son was born. So that was mm-hmm. 2017. And just that airport to airport and hanging out yeah and in LA it's like this such a mixed feeling of like oh god like I'm so glad I'm I'm not doing that and then oh I really miss doing that and it, you know what I mean it's a funny it's a funny kind of love-hate relationship um with the, the memory of tour managing <laughs> it's funny um but uh what's that I get it I get yeah. it I'm sure you understand <laughs> but uh so um yeah so last lane it opened in April 2019 and um, so we would have had our first birthday really and it was you know because it's it was so hard to kind of get it on the map and get it up and running and we were really starting to get um we had just some really great regular club nights and mother had moved in there every Saturday and just really great gigs and it was really just starting to get into the swing of things so yeah it was a bit of a it took me a long time to kind of accept that how long it was going to last like it's mm. like okay this is going to go until april or, and then you know then it's like oh well, it'll go until june or, it's only really now that i'm like okay then it's not gonna it's not gonna happen this year you know um yeah. but uh so it took a little while for it to sink in i suppose um and then on top of that just on a personal level like i had just we had moved, just moved to burr where my husband is from um and we had applied for a mortgage which uh, we were kind of waiting on news from 
and yeah. just I was we'd gotten a, the mortgage approved there'd be like a problem with the deed in the house so I was just kind of watching my bank account deplete going like I hope the yeah. bank manager doesn't look into my account and then by some miracle we got the they gave us money in June and yeah. um, so we so that was kind of cool in that like I guess we kind of moved in we moved into this old house that has really dodgy 70s carpets that with the intention of being able to uh, do it up and um yeah, now we don't have any money to do it up. So, um, yeah. and our migraine and using carpet. So it's been a weird, like, you know, on a work level, it's really interesting in that uh, everything, it just took me a while to accept that everything was gone work wise. Mm. And then from that, I just got really determined to try and do something and keep, like, keep, because there's so, like, I've been working with Lisa Hannigan and she, she's had a baby a couple of years ago. So she's, she's really keen to just do Irish stuff as well and stay close to home. So we were doing loads of solo stuff. Um, we had a Wallace tour, Wallace bird tour booked for March, April that I moved into September, October, and then eventually mm-hmm. cancelled, you know, so there's lots of that stuff going on, just like moving, yeah. rescheduling, hoping that stuff would happen and make, trying to do stuff within the guidelines, just like, you know, there's venues like Collins and Cork or, Roshan Dove and Galway, small little independent venues that are non-funded commercial spaces that were just really on their knees and in danger of not opening their doors again. So we, I was just trying to get acts like Lisa or Paul Noonan that I would mm. down there to do 50 capacity shows or like Paul did yeah. six shows over three days in Galway for 60 capacity each. <laughs> so it's like mm. a matinee evening over a Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, which is very uh, tiring <laughs> which is very tiring but like you know it was just so important to do yeah those things for that for our independent music industry I think mm. all those little bits of something just you know was a wage for a barman or a sound engineer or you know and at that point it went from you know putting a little bit away into your savings and watching that build up and starting to do quite well to just like mm. every 200 quid to help you pay your electricity bill was starting to count you know yeah yeah um so we just yeah it was there was a lot of a lot of chopping and changing a lot of listening to the sweet sound of a toilet flush weeks of work Mm. down (laughs) down the but like at the same time all of the work that we've done in in the same way as as Aoife said there like everything it just like by staying kind of involved and chatting to people and recognize how strong our small independent music scene and how close knit it is and in that mm. supporting each other helping each other out um, yeah. and just from an Irish point of view it made me really proud and made me really feel really close to the, that team of people um, and realise how we're all kind of cut from the same cloth um, so in loads of ways we, I feel like we're going to come out of this much stronger than we were when we went into it you know you, you've made a really valid point right about the sense of community in our industry. And it's been like, I'm in talk. So I'm on calls with, <clears throat> you know, promoters across the world and blah, blah, blah. And the thing is actually, they're all working together. Every mm-hmm. one of them, doesn't matter who they are, the live nations, the ages, all of them, they're all working together. They're all on the calls together. The governments, mm-hmm. everyone is working together. And it's, it, it is a sense of community worldwide, like about getting, the music industry back up and running. And it's like, you know, the way sometimes you feel like, I mean, well, I I feel maybe you don't, but I feel sometimes like a little isolated, you know, like it's just like, you feel like you're kind of on your own in this. You're not, you know, that's the thing to remember. Like there are so many people, like if you reach out, if you reach out to me or to you or to Linda, you know, we will reply, we will respond that there is a community. There is like, and it's, I never realized it. And it's really, it's, it makes me feel really good. You know, it's nice to know there's support out there, you know. Yeah. I was just actually, I was just reading one of your um, interviews, Una, with the Irish Times. And just what Aoife said there just ran, because you said, um, it's all about meeting people, building an ethos through experiencing goodwill and the good nature of, of others. And I think that really comes to, 
a stronghold and, and the, the essence, the very essence of that, that kind of human connection. And because the roles that both of you have heavily evolve around that connectedness and the, the physical as well, because you're constantly, it's, it's you know, live music, it's the immersiveness of it. And I, I was reading um, how you even formed your relationship with Lisa Hannigan uh, that you met at a, a, a part, was it an after party and then, um, she was working with Damien Rice on his groundbreaking album Oh and you said to her come on and, and paint the shutters of Whelan's uh, we did the album artwork and it took a few days and then you formed this great relationship and it, it's just so wonderful to see that you know from that our simple origins and then what kind of her career panned out and, and your career and just you know how how much that simple connection created so much kind of relationship and then lasting relationships that really, really solidify what it is to be part of the Irish music scene and people just having each other's back. I really liked that when I read the, the Irish Times article. Um, you know, it's just... It's funny, it's like, um, I think that there's... Like, I, I remember I remember that there was... Um, there was this tour... So there's a friend of mine, I'm sure you know me for Trevor Plunkett. He's like... Yeah. Yeah. We're manager for he did David Gray and James Morrison and I met him over the years and when I started tour managing Lisa in Ireland um she got offered this eight week tour with Jason Mraz in America and I'd never I'd only kind of tour managed in Ireland and and the UK and it was all kind of smaller van tours and stuff and this was like a bus tour uh, and doing like Radio City Music Hall Grand Old Opry you know it was like big. Yeah. And uh, and I rang and Lisa was like, "Of course you can do it," you know. And I was like, "We go and get a grown-up tour manager for that." And uh, and I just ran, I remember ringing Trevor, being like, you know, and just kind of saying, "I'm asked to do this thing," and he was like, "Yeah, I'll come and meet you." And we went and had a couple of pints in the Clarence, and he like just shared all of his templates and information and talked mm. me through visas and bus companies and get you know like and, and it was just I remember just thinking that it was so important to pass that on in that like so you know like and, and he and his whole thing was just like if you don't know the answer to something just ah. like go to the toilet and ring me <laughs> pretend you know yeah, the answer. Go to the toilet and ring me. you know and it was like I just and, and then on, when I, I remember arriving on the tour that tour and we had like a pre, couple of pre-production days in Scranton and there was this big building we pulled up on our tour bus and went in and there was these two like a production manager a tour manager and they were these big dudes you know tour manager was this guy who was like, you know, away he was like Neil Young's tour manager and the production manager looked like Rod Stewart. You know, it was just like rock and roll America. <laughs> and I was like, you know, in my very early twenties, just kind of going in and I I had this whole facade ready to go where I was like, Hi, you know, I'm Una, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I remember just going in and, and kind of going uh, just going in and saying, listen, I'm a really, really fast learner. There's no ego here. Just tell us if you're in the way, you know, and just was really straight up about it. And they were just like, ah, cute, you know, mm-hmm. and they just really took me under their wing and they just kind of showed me loads of things and introduced me to people and showed me little bits on the front of house desk and, you know, gave me loads of their contacts. And it was just one of those lovely lessons where you're like, if you're just kind of sh- willing to share and be honest and straight up and like I, be honest and, and learn fast you can get so much more than putting on a bit of bravado you know, you know? I've got to be honest with you and I think you've, you've you've hit the nail on your head Linda and I did an interview last Christmas my entire career 100% has been based upon goodwill and, and friends of friends recommending me and getting off job offers I have learned everything on the ground from asking people, from people being willing to share information, from people being kind, from people giving me time, from me being able to call them, from people sharing their templates. Like this is an industry that isn't really based upon if you have a degree in tour management or a degree in music management, you'll get the job as the tour manager. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or any of the roles. There are specific type roles which you do need to learn, like, you know, front of house or sound engineering or something or lighting. But it's so much of this is based upon your personality and how willing and how kind and how good and how efficient and how you get on with people. And I say this to people all the time. They're like, they. I think they think this is a golden bubble, you know, that they think it's so cool or whatever. Now, by the way, you, you both know me and... <laughs> 
I don't have a cool bone in my entire body. Like I'm really fast. No, no, hon, I'm I'm so not. <laughs> I'm so not. But like, honestly, like I say to them, if you want to work in this industry, all you have to do is ask people who work in this industry to consider you. Like, go have a conversation with them. Talk to whoever you know. I think you can. Like you've read this in interviews, Linda. You know this. Like it's true. Yeah. Just have a conversation. And I guarantee you one day the phone will ring. It, yeah. It's so like, it, it really is about being able to just communicate with people and chat and be mm. open. And like, I learned like same as you and I, I, people who I just got on with, who took me under their wing, you know, and yeah. it's so true. It's so true. And it's so important. And I, I don't think people realize actually, even though it's a very hard industry to get into, it's also very, very easy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? What yeah. you do, and on, like on that note, like how, what led um, the both of you to go into um, the live music industry, the kind of book inside of it, and the the events? Um, because it is, you know, I, I'm I'm eighteen years in it, and I just have seen such a huge difference. From I remember at one stage just always 100% dealing with men and then something just shifted where there was women popping up everywhere and I was like yes I'm not alone anymore and it was just wonderful and it was just and and even it's continual kind of increase in parity and I think it's wonderful but there's different areas of the music industry where you have you know loads of women and and it's great and then there's there's ones that there's just really kind of sparse tumbleweed where you're the only woman in the room so I think even just listening to the both of you there and you have such kind of you know great memories and fondness and talking about the support that you've and it's it's absolutely amazing but not every element of the the music industry has that and I think it's kind of um you know there's the pros and cons of everything like Aoife when I was chatting to you on that interview I think it was oh my god only two years ago now like you said you know there'll always be challenges even though you know we haven't broke the glass ceiling that it's it's it always has been our time because we've always been running the show in the backdrop and now we're kind of seeing that change and we're, we're seeing that shift and I mean you just did the we're probably more at the forefront though like yeah board there are brilliant women in every single role I can think of from yeah. engineers to agents to publicists to and like yeah. some of the best and that it's kind of funny it's kind of almost started turning now and mm. like, where it's, women are specifically requested and yeah. I'm going to be totally honest and I'll probably get hate mail for this I wouldn't want it to be a fully female tour because no. we have other girls too right we do yeah. you know but it's just about equality. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, yeah, paid the same, the same number of women as there is to men. Just make, just, just open it up. And it's definitely mm-hmm. on its route. It's not there yet, but it's on its way there. I mean, you. Yeah. I've told you a tour with Beyonce, and that that tour is is her tours are, are game changers in terms of the number of women. And yeah. it's not just even the number of women; they're fucking brilliant women. They're, yeah. Sorry for cursing. Sorry. I'm going to have to put this on the explicit list. I'm sorry. I'm out like the sewer, that one. You're going to have to write my own shirts. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but like, they're, they're incredible. They're, they're, they're yeah. so kind. They're so funny. They're so caring. They're so compassionate. And they are just bad asses at their dynamite yeah yeah so how how did you go into this profession like what um what led you from kind of because i know you were in kind of the underground indie scene in ireland and then how do you go from that to oh yeah just name dropping beyonce there and going they're all great <laughs> i was no, just I, on tour with madonna <laughs> okay i'll tell you how i went from it yeah organically never yeah. i just i love to work i work really yeah. hard i try to do the best job i can I, I get on well with people. I seem to be liked. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're a lovable, lovable person. That's why. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it's, it's, it's not like, it's, I haven't been, I'm not like, I want to work with Madonna, yeah. you know. Like, this is all kind of, it's just been organic. It's just kept, like, each year, it changes and changes and changes and gets busier and busier and busier. And I'll be totally honest with you, right? The only reason that probably happens is because I, Una, I'm sure you are going to agree with me. I love it. It's my <laughs> life. I live it and I breathe it and I eat it. Like I'm not, it's not like I go to work at 10 in the morning and at six o'clock I'm switching off and no work and I'm not getting, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's part of me. Like it's part of, it's home. 
Yeah. And that's why. And I, and that's the truth of it. It's been organic. I haven't had to I haven't had to sell my soul, you know, and I work with the yeah. best of the best. And I've been so lucky, like and I, you know, Live Nation, Global Touring, all of them. And 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 when you're at when you see me work with those people at the top, they're gorgeous people. They're they're lovely, they're kind, yeah. they're funny, they're brilliant, they're professional, they're hilarious. And you realize, wow, you know, this this really is an amazing uh, it's an amazing industry full of just like amazing weirdos who are fabulous human beings, you know. Yeah, I think because you kind of um, before you're in that situation, you look at all these megastars and you're thinking, oh, God, they're, you know, they're elevated on these pedestals. But then when you work with them, you kind of go, they're people. They are literally people. I've said this in interviews and I think I said this yeah. in your interview and you know this to be true. Yeah. They all yeah. have to go to the toilet. They all have to brush their teeth. They, yeah. are, they are still human beings, you know. Mm. Fame is a weird thing. I don't understand fame. Uh, like, it's yeah. a weird thing. And people are people. And they're yeah. really good. They're really good, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, totally. Yeah. And and what about yourself, Una? How did you get involved in um, the the live scene and music and booking and, and this being a, a huge part of your life? I mean, it's funny, similar to Aoife, you know, I think, like, it's, I don't remember any, making any major decisions, you know, it's just kind mm. of, you just kind of keep driving on and then end up in weird spots. But I suppose, um, uh, I was in working behind Byron Wheelands when I was in college, and then I was in I was an officer in my college, and we put together a venue there, and we're putting on shows. And then from there, I just kind of never went back to college. I just kept putting on shows in different places, and then that led to tour management. And I suppose the tricky, like the tricky part for me as a woman was that in the back, like I have just, and I know that there, this is not everybody but I have just always wanted to have kids like loads of kids mm. I just knew yeah. that, um I knew that I that I had to think about that because I was sort of yeah. on the road like similar to Eva. I was just kind of on the road all the time yeah. we were doing like an eight-week tour come back and and, I, and all the other people would come back and spend all that time with their, with their like our tours would be much smaller than Aoife's you know you're talking about Lisa Hannigan or you know James McMurrow or people like that you know so it'd be like you'd be away for six weeks or four weeks or whatever and come back and all everybody else would go home and spend time with their families and you would just get back and you'd be in advance on the next tour and doing the next thing and then so I, I was kind of aware of that so all the time I kind of kept the agency thing going where I was booking shows in Ireland and mm. doing smaller bits and just trying to keep that thing going and making sure that I booked all Lisa's shows in Ireland and um, or keep, kept taking on new acts that were just ba- based around doing because like the, the mad thing about Ireland is there's so many brilliant venues you can you can really make a living if you just focus yeah. on Ireland you know um, yeah. if you have the right acts and people that you're working with so I was just really conscious of that and mm. then I stopped touring when I was like five months pregnant and Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then and then and then I just kind of really focused on the agency end of things and then focused on, you know, once I finished breastfeeding, I focused on touring. Like the first couple of nights I spent away with my from my son were just being doing like three three or four solo shows shows with Ireland or, or with Lisa around Ireland. Mm. Uh, and just kept doing that and would just do kind of Irish based things. Again, it's all about the artist you're with, right? Like if you're with a young band who are, you know, out being wild and they probably wouldn't get you bringing your baby. But I've toured with like, for example, Arcade Fire. They have nannies who come with them and their kid is on the tour with us. He was a dote and he was a sweetheart and he was on the tour with us. And so that was Win and Regine's son. And then Will's um, son was with us for several of the weeks as well. So you can tour with a kid. And I, I think that's really admirable. You can do it, Una. You can. It, like, I don't have babies, so it's different for me. I can live and breathe my artist, but you can definitely make it work. Because you know what, mm. women, we can, we can do everything, right? We're well at taskers. Yeah, yeah, we're very good at that. But you can make it work. And there are so many touring nannies out there, and they get it, you know. They totally get it as well. Like, they're super sharp. They understand how, you know, quieter times of the day, the, you know, the babinos will be running around the production office and in and out of the dressing room and having loads of fun and in catering. And then as the night time comes in, you know, they're going to the tour bus now to go to bed and they're all... And it's it's re, it's really healthy, you know, because it makes them part of your life and they see what you're doing. I, I think mm. it's a good thing for kids to come on tour. I know that in country music, 
the whole, you know, it happens all the time. Yeah. I know for a fact, I know some of the country artists who tour and their kids are out on the road with them. Mm. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing to see. I mean, because I, I've worked with Eleanor McAvoy and, and you see kind of uh, Francis Black and Mary and that. And you see Mary had, um, you know, Roisin and, and Danny and then they went on to do music and Aoife, with, Aoife Scott with Francis. And you just think, this is just amazing that yeah. it has carried on. And, and, you know, they would have been on the road with their parents. And it's just such a wonderful kind of, you know, the wheel kind of just perpetual motion. And it's it's so nice to see. Um, like, Una, in terms of... Can I, I say know, something in that? Yeah, That's okay. Yeah. No, in the heyday with you two. I'm sure it's still the same now. Because I know yeah. their kids are all out now, but they're much older. But I know that when they were babies, I know for a fact that some of the touring crew had their kids out on the road with them. Mm. It's brilliant. I think I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, um, like Una, like you, you have worked with with Lisa, and you've worked with Wallace Bird for for so long. And just in terms of just moving a little bit back to like Ireland and the scene there, um, we've seen so many huge things happen this year with. Um, with women kind of coming to the forefront and more women being heard. And, you know, I mean, I look back, um, I mean, my friend, uh, Aoife O'Sullivan, who is now a retired musician, because she had two kids and she kind of moved to the Midlands and that, that was it. You know, she does photography now and, and she's um, uh, at, an at-home mom, which is a full-time job. But, you know, I remember her playing with Wallace and, and they toured, oh my God, all over the world. Like they did so much and with, with Glenn and with David Gray and, and so many different, um, you know, tours and that. And you kind of, I remember at that stage where there was, I could literally probably on one hand count the amount of women that were on the road in Ireland and that were doing well, like the likes of Lisa Hannigan, Gemma Hayes, yeah. uh, Bird. I think that's it, Tree. <laughs> you know, and then you kind of, a few kind of came up the ranks, like, you know, I think like uh, Laura Isibor, Melda May, but literally there, there's only probably five, six, like in a decade of kind of that period of time to now. And then you just see this massive combustion of women coming out of the woodwork and kind of going, you know, we're here, but they've always been there. And like, how have you or have you noticed that huge shift? And, and what do you think of it? Like, obviously, with the, the gender disparity reports that were out this year that, that highlighted kind of radio just weren't playing women in the last 10 years, like especially in the last, you know, two to three year period and, and the last year, like there was some stations like FM 104 that on their top playlist, there was zero women for five years in a row, like zero in their heavy rotation playlist. And then you see bands like Wild Jute and Dermot Kennedy and, you know, um, Gavin James, Picture This, and they're all climbing up the ranks and they're touring internationally and they're doing great, but the women are still kind of being left behind. But that's, that is starting to shift. And have you, can you notice that or have you noticed it in the last few years in comparison to like now, even though COVID has happened and it's terrible and there's no, we, we can't, you know, the bands can't make money that they are. So there's a lot of them that are out of pocket, but those that didn't even get them opportunities are even worse off and they just happen to be women. I mean, have you seen that shift? Have you noticed, have you started to work with more women in the last year or two? Like how has that been for you? Uh, well, I mean, I've generally, and without, and this is really genuine, without ever making a decision, I have always had more women on my books than, than men, in that I've all, I've had Lisa Wallace, Brona Gallagher, and, I, you know, like, I've just, oh, and it, it's it's just, a not, I don't know how, like, it just kind of naturally yeah. happened that way. Um, mm. but, and then, maybe not on my books, but I suppose then, then the last, it's funny, you should mention it in that like the last we do a this thing called the turning point mixtape which is like we do loads of different types of them but the main one is on we'd, we'd be on our 10th year of the new year's eve in vicar street where we mm. get like a house band and 10 yeah. 15 artists and they all collaborate and share you know do, do all their david bowie guilty pleasures and mm. we, do, we did one for halloween for we did like a bram stoker one and it's funny the last few times uh, and again, without meaning to, I've just been like, you know, it's we had one that had that had Saint Sister, Wyvern, Lingo, Wallace, Lisa, mm-hmm. uh, like there was it was nearly all women, and yeah. and it wasn't and Neve from Ham Sandwich, you know, it wasn't a decision. It was just that they they were the people that 
were sort of on the on the lists that we wanted to ask, you know, and yeah. and I'm trying to think of whether like why that was or and I suppose it kind of it, first of all, definitely there's a whole lot more women. Um, mm. They're brilliant. They're mm. brilliant to work with because especially for something like that because they move mm. in and there's probably a little bit less ego, you know. They're they're you know they love working together. They collaborate well together. Mm. Broad generalization, but just like yeah, it's, it's a sisterhood know, that goes yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Um, and then so we just got funding from the from the live uh performance stimulus that was put out for this um project in Doolin, which is kind of like a it's kind of like an Irish version of the Mickelberger Festival or the People Festival, it's called now, where we just bring mm. artists together to collaborate. And again, like I found myself, like we have CMAT and Lisa and Saint Sister, and all, I found myself going, God, I better. I better you get see much. She's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, she's heavy. Um, but I found myself just going, I better get some lads to balance this out, actually, because it's all mm. I love that. I yeah, love it. <laughs> I love that you even, you that even registers with you and you think that that's the issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you realise that. You're like, oh, hang on, we need some boys here. That is brilliant. <laughs> and and that's the, wonderful because it's so unusual because usually if you take the, the male out of a festival lineup, there's about three women, you know? And I, well, I think as well for me, part of because of those kind of collaborative projects that I do, like I've done them. Mm. The first one we did was in 2005 or 2006, I think. So I've been doing them for such a long time that you really recognize that switch, when you're bringing a bunch of people to work together, a huge part of it is personality because, like, one. Yeah one tricky personality can change the dynamic of the whole thing. I'm sure you get that on tour oh, yeah. a lot. Like it's, it just, yeah. it can just poison the water hole a little bit. And, and even just the smallest bit of like, you know, an ego hustle or something can just put everybody on edge. So like I part of the reason those collaborative projects have just worked really well is because I've been very careful and conscious to be like, if, if somebody fits in well and gels and, 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 and works really well with other people, I just keep asking them back and then yeah. and then get them to ask their friends. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it becomes yeah. this kind of really uh, lovely vibe. And and I suppose well when I was thinking about the why I was so heavy on the lady front, I was thinking, I guess that's why, because naturally mm. And when you're at, when not that there's there's so many amazing like we've had Connor O'Brien has always done I it. Love Connor. Connor's always doing them and like we've had so many great dudes on board as well. But just I suppose as it's grown naturally, we in terms of bringing people into the fold, it's just mm. happened that they're that 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 has just developed it towards the ladies. Um, so, You're so lucky to have you, Una, because because it is so rare. You know, I mean, I did um, an article for the Daily Mirror there a few weeks ago, and it was about the absence of women on lineups. And they were like, "Why do you think it is?" And I said, "Well, you know, it's it's obviously there's an ecosystem that happens in the music industry. If people are getting played on the radio or added to Spotify." Uh, Spotify playlist that people are going to hear them they're going to get you know they're on them platforms they're going to get exposure and then booking agents will want to book them but as a booking agent um how have you discovered like what was what's your tool of discovery because a lot of these women were not getting radio play they weren't you know they were on they were guests on shows and stuff like that but heavy rotation and on you know the same equivalent of the, the ma- their male counterparts was literally there was a 95 percent difference in what they were getting versus their male uh you know uh, peers well, so what was your discovery well first of all just on that note I think mm. uh, radio play mainstream media in Ireland are a fucking disgrace you know as yeah, in yeah. Very, very yeah. Uh, but like it's a joke well, well, and I think well, it's, well, yeah it's well it's just that it's not even mm. I mean it's 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 not even smart enough to be a boys club as in it's just like it's just it's this kind of lazy approach to programming mm. when it comes to yeah. mainstream TV uh you know, yeah. like the Late Late Show is, I just, like, I can't, it's just, I, I can't, I'm just like, how can you, how can it be allowed? It should be the law yeah. that yeah. there is Irish, <laughs> like, open-coming. It, it should be the law, you know, it should be the <laughs> law. You're and so like, right, you're so right, it should be the law. You're amazing. <laughs> like, it should, and we're actually trying to change it and put it into the law. Like, we're, we're actually yeah. working on a Civil Liberties Act to yeah. be put in place 
in Ireland that protects the the, uh, the diversity that we have, like cultural diversity and equality, because women for over a decade have not had the same opportunities to earn revenue and a living as their, as opposed to their male counterparts. You're talking about serious, like, you know, emotional trauma, um, you know, confidence, because they're told not good enough. You're not being played here. You're not, you're not being chosen here. And that's a massive, heavy shift. Like we're seeing the likes of the mother and baby's home and all this fucking atrocious trauma that has been put on women from the likes of the Catholic Church and different institutions. But the media is a fucking institution, you know, it's and it's run, it's it's homogenized, it's white men that are running it as well. The majority of it is white men. And and you're just kind of going, you know, what what's going to give, you know? And and that's why like this year we just use data because if I I've been shouting about it for I don't know how many years, but people's like that's that angry feminist lesbian with a loud voice and she's just mad. Isn't it mad? And they're kind of going Right, so opinions aren't working, so data might work, and data has worked because so it's factual. Works. It's it's yeah, and it's like this is, and I I just I'm so in love with data this year because it's it's my it's the ammunition that I needed that I didn't realize would propel it, you know, and make such a change because oh my god, it really is. It's such a um, and, and I don't see it other places. It's like it was such an important thing to do, you know, like that yeah. that um that study was incredibly important you know and like yeah. exactly that yeah. plain and simple it's right there for you to see rather than people just say because what really annoys me is that response where it's like well if they were good enough they get played you know and just yeah. like oh my god like yeah you're just so you don't have a clue what you're talking about so just shut up you know yeah yeah <laughs> i think that you know like i remember at the start of the lock-in there was the there was like a music takeover for the late late show because they couldn't have Mm. beauty or whatever I remember putting up a, a an annoying tweet an angry yeah. tweet that you was annoying a, woman <laughs> crazy uh, hysterical woman yeah but that it was just it was like oh cool so the last six weeks of the lockdown like first of all like when RTE were trying to find things to play you know when there were they couldn't create new content the mm. fact that they there was just so there's so much music in their archives of, yeah. of Irish artists and it didn't like occur to them to that they should be promoting Irish musicians or you know as in mm. that's a whole other thing but like the the late late show had like Glenn Hosier uh, Gavin James you know and and picture this I think but it was just like this mm. in a row of just like hang on a second lads and then everybody started shouting about it causing a fuss and then one of the things that really pissed me off was then they had like the women in harmony thing which was yeah. such an amazing project yeah. so incredible like yeah. so many amazing women and such an important thing and so well put together and yeah. well produced and beautiful and the song was beautiful and then they just like had them all on the late late show with no mm-hmm. names attached to it no like yeah. <laughs> no like specifying who this like large group of token women that they'd gotten together who they mm-hmm. were you know it was just like and here's you know, like a man a man a man Glenn how was your blood and then like a bunch of women and it was just like mm. yeah even like, when they spoke to Una Healy because Ruth Ann is, is part of the, the Why Not Her um, kind of organisation and she's a dear friend and like you know it's I just seen that when I was watching it because they were brilliant and then they went there was a few of them like Moya Brennan and Moya was absolutely brilliant that night but Ruth and Moya um, who else is on it Ruth and Moya and uh, Una Healy I can't remember um, Erica Cody and Una and he went to the different women and he was saying oh how are you blah 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 and then he went to Una and went how's the kids <laughs> I said if I was Una sitting there and he, after talking to all the others, like in the, you know, treating them as, you know, musicians and artists, and then he turns to to Una, how are the kids? How are the kids in school? And I mean, I can't speak for Una because I don't know what she was thinking. But I mean, if I was her, I would have been sitting there going, why is he asking me about motherhood when I am a, a very, very successful musician as a standalone and from one of the biggest girl bands in the UK. You know, and, and I think that's such an Irish thing to do. And and I worked with so many women in the Irish music scene. And I remember Maria Doyle Kennedy, who I absolutely adore. And I had her in with um with Ray Darcy. Yeah. Oh, she's wonderful. And I had her in with Ray Darcy and she had been on um, TV with him and then she went into the radio and he just kind of, you no, know, she went in and he sort of went, oh, look, we were on the radio, we were on the TV the other day, so we won't, we'll just graze over everything. How were the kids? And I was just kind of like, and he goes, how do you manage, you know, being a musician as well as a mommy kind of thing? And I just remember outside the, the um, recording studio and going, what 
Why would he? Do, have, do they ask men that question? Can they I don't. say something as well? And she's not just a musician. She's a legend, right? She is an, an icon. icon. She's, she's like one of the most talented people you're ever yeah. going to meet. Yeah. And you want to ask her how kids are doing? By the way, which is a lovely question, but ask yeah. her on that. Yeah. <laughs> I know? totally, yeah. I would definitely be, I think that the, like, how this, I, I come from a family of nine and I've got five brothers and three sisters. Wow. And we were having this kind of discussion on our family, our ever-present beeping uh, family WhatsApp during COVID, where somebody had put up a video of Joe Biden that was like edited together of him, you know, being over affectionate with people in general. And yeah. I was like, you know, they were like, oh, Joe Biden's such a creep. And I was like, hang on a second. Like, like loads of people's dads are like that. Like yeah. men of a certain age are like that. And like, it, it doesn't mean they're a creep. It just means mm. that they've grown up in a world where pe- they think that women, you know, need to be told that they're pretty and need to be given compliments and need to be, and you know, be like, though, and feel. We, we actually do in a bizarre way. I mean, the women from that generation, you know what I mean? Because yeah. Yeah, those women were ignored. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like it's I I think though like you can't just suddenly say to loads of men you know don't be you know, like getting I I, do, I think that there's like it's it's about as well like art it's one thing with RTE putting on women acts like I think mm. you have a responsibility and then it's another thing like with their their presenters who are in a, a yeah. position where they should know better ask the stupid questions but like yeah, overall yeah. I think there's loads of room for us to just be like. Here's why that question's annoying. Okay, just mm. for next time. And yeah. then like explain it. Because I think a lot of the time with people like that, you just have to go, this is the story. And then they go, geez, I never really thought about mm. it. And yeah, there's yeah. no malice in it. And they just try and they know that they should that that question is annoying for future reference. Like it happens with my dad all the time, you know, where I'm just like, yeah. Dad, that's not cool. And then I should mm. try to explain it. And he's like, Oh right, yeah. It's and a learned behavior like, in a way, like a cultural learned <laughs> behavior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we all as a as a as a group, as a generation of women, like there's, we, you know, like, like we're, we have, we're in a privileged position to be able to be like, here, lads, this is fucking not on, you know, like this mm. is the way, and this is why, you know, and I think that they're, most lads are really good at responding, you know, yeah, most yeah. lads that I interact with and that I know are mm. really good at going, God, yeah, you know, and that conversation about Joe Biden with all my brothers, they were like, what? Yeah, okay, yeah, I see that now, you know, and they were, understanding and I just think that like yeah it's like finding that line where you're you're sort of mixed between incandescent rage for ignorant idiots and then just like mm. being like here I know you're thinking you're trying your best but you should just know about this this and this and people respond yeah. well it's like, like we're being tolerant for decades yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah. but I, I think that we um I think that I think that we're very lucky to be in a position to to kind of express how ridiculous things look and for people to be able to see and quite to have quickly. a voice and to have a voice mm. that's heard Una. you know mm. yeah. there's heard. Heard many places in the world where your voice still isn't heard yeah <laughs> yeah for sure and and also just be I think in a position of, of power ourselves where you can not only express yourself and have a voice but like people are they under, they try and understand you and they try and listen as opposed to yeah. tokenism you know what I mean yeah, yeah, 100%. Listen, I like, I, uh, like, let me just say, just in case anyone who's listening to this thinks, oh my God, these girls are like full mm. on. You, like, we're all telling the truth, mm. but without a shadow of a doubt, things have changed and they are changing yeah. daily and there are so much for the better and things are getting better and being more equal and everything that we need. So it's a good thing, you know, but... Yeah. Like you, you are right, Una. Like there, there, there's, it's kind of like what you know, like that that radio um survey that you did, Linda, is brilliant. You know this, right? You know I'm so supportive of it. Yeah. But the thing is, as well, I think a lot of it is almost. I don't even think it's people realizing that they're being sexist and that they're mm. not including women. I think it's it's. And I, I said earlier, it's it's old men. It's not a, I actually didn't mm. mean old. I mean it's old fashioned. And what I should have said because it's mm-hmm. the way. We think. I think t- the modern times and modern people want to move forward. You know, we yeah. want to include people. We want to be kind. We want to be good. I mm. I think it's just it's that backward way. 
You know what I mean? The old yeah. way of doing things that just, just needs to, just needs to be that maybe people need, and I'm so grateful for your reports because people need to be told you do yeah. realize. I mean, some of those reports were shocking, shocking. Yeah. But you know what? That's all, all it was, was just presenting it in a way that people looked at the stats and looked at this, you know, I mean, today FM, 95 to 100% are male. FM 104, 100% male, you know, and, and even to FM who people would have assumed like, oh, they're great. They're supportive of men in music. They they kind of, they used to play like tokenistic airtime for, you know, women, but they were, I think it was 90% um, or 95% um, all men on their heavy rotation playlist. And what I found was, and this is the chats that I had, to, I swear to Jesus, the chats I had to have over COVID because I discovered that if you're played at two on the morning or two in the day you get the same royalty payment right but obviously the, there's a lot more people listening at two in the day as opposed to two in the morning but what they were doing was they were putting women on the overnights going I should look at you they're going to make get a few bob and I was like that's not bloody enough you know like, they don't want we, money it's not yeah, about they, money even though they should yeah. get it that's not, that's not what they want totally you know yeah and you have these and then it was having this conversation I swear to God I had heads of music coming back to me going do you know what Linda we have them all, we've, we're after taking into note you know some people are out of pocket and musicians and what we've done is we've, we've oh. allocated a lot of women on the overnight so the royalties and I was there going are these for fucking real, you know? And, and of course I had to be, I had to be nice because I can't be losing the head with everyone because I'd be angry all the time. And I was just kind of going, right, okay. But when I kept going back to them because they just thought, I think a lot of radio in Ireland just thought, she's going to put out this report. She's an angry woman. She might be on her period or something. And she's, she's not putting this out and it's going to just stop. But I didn't. I was like, oh, this is only the start, you know? And, 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 and it was, and I've had DJs I know for 15, 18 years and they rang me uh, women and male uh, musicians and they were like Linda you're fucking like uh, lambs to the slaughter like what are you doing to us and I'm like this is not a personal attack this is a statistic like this is a, a data a factual yeah and, and this is how you're you're a culture shaper because this is what radio are they, they shape culture they shape what people look upon us to be like the music scene is not just Dermot Kennedy it's not just Gavin James it's not picture this and I mean these are all brilliant artists I mean I've never taken away from them like you know Um, but there's a but there's great women and and, and, but but at the same time all it was was me and um, and Anya uh, Tyrrell who helps me she's wonderful and and Anya had to go over to Australia to make money because she couldn't make it in Ireland because nobody was playing her music and, and nobody was booking her so and she's playing to massive like massive festivals and, and lineups over there. Like she just literally went back on the road there last week and she sold two two shows, completely sold out in the day, like just totally sold out. So she's, you know, and she, but the diaspora of people, of women, should I say, to have had to leave Ireland in order to make money elsewhere is just shocking. But having said that, in the last four months, like we, we did the report in June and then we, we um, did, I say we because I swear to God, I... <laughs> Myself, we now, but um, but I have volunteers on the Why Not Horror Committee now, and it's and it's wonderful, you know. So I have to get used to saying we. Um, and we just did a report on the Irish charts and the correlation to radio and people that make it onto the charts, and uh, you know, and we did a, an, an kind of update on radio. So basically, in June, only eight percent of women were on play a heavy rotation playlist in the top twenty charts across every radio station. Right, so it's only eight percent across. All Ireland, eight percent women. So that's ninety-two percent male. Was what we were hearing on the way, on the radio waves, and that and that eight percent was only Amy and Soleil. That was it. So people think, yeah, that was it. Like two frequent, and then like they randomly played the Cranberries every now and then, and Mary Black, and you know, but they're like, you know, they're not modern. They're not kind of. I'm not to say that they take away. They're brilliant at what they do, but oh, no, no, they're no. they're they're past releases. They're they're you know from the late 80s 90s you know and you have these amazing musicians but when I kept going back to radio and kept feeding them with updates because I was downloading data every single week and I was like you haven't changed you haven't changed you haven't changed you haven't changed and we're looking at now from like of spin 103 who are a game changing radio station gone from five percent to now they in their recent playlist the last month they have played 55 percent Wow. women on their radio and you know what you can see it because the likes of you know Hannah Kathleen Kelly um, 
you know, Ruth Ann, uh, like these amazing artists. And they are they're just after announcing different tours and they're selling out all their shows. And the reason why they're doing that is because they've been fucking played on the radio. But it's brilliant that radio is starting to. Now, there are some stations that are really slow to react. But I mean, I had to fight for a lot of it, you know, and I had to go back and forth. And a lot of them just stopped playing my artists because they were like, we're not going to deal with it anymore. But I have a team of people that work with me. So if they don't deal with me, they'll deal with my colleagues. And I just pass on because I don't want my clients to be affected, but I had to pass on and delegate a lot of work to my staff because I was like, well, they're not, not talking to me because I'm after upsetting them, you know, but it wasn't, I wasn't trying to attack anybody. I was literally going, this system is fucked, like, and it's something has to change. But I, we have seen a huge increase, you know. Can I just say this to you, Linda, sorry, just so that, um, and for anyone who's listening to this, read these reports. You're a legend for doing this. It was the biggest eye-opener I've ever had. I had no idea. And yeah. I am so proud of you. I, and I love the fact that in the UK it exploded. I love the fact that media worldwide has picked up on this. I love the yeah. fact you're going to move to the States. I am so proud of you, Linda. And you should give yourself a fucking big round of applause, you know? <laughs> no, you my, my, my mommy keeps me grounded. <laughs> like... well, you should, honestly. Yeah. You know... You're, as I would say, you're a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I, and, and this is what makes me really sad. I have not had any, not one fe- woman, not one female that works in management or PR support. None. Not one. Not support. one. Not one in Ireland. Not one. And that really upsets me. And, I'm, and I've sent them all the data and even consultants in music. I've sent everybody. And I'm constantly, you know, updating people. And nobody... Not anybody has dropped me a message that, that of, of women that have the same role as me. I'm talking about like loads of women have. Like, I mean, Jesus, I've had thousands of emails and messages. But people in the same role as me and who are doing the same job in Ireland as me, not one of them. And that really hurts, you know, because you're kind of going, it would be a lot easier if people were supportive. And I hope this makes you feel somewhat better. Mm. So, Cindy Gallup, who in the marketing world is yeah. the micro bay. Yeah. And blows shit up. Well, that's yeah. who you are to me in the music industry. And oh, I mean, thanks so much. <laughs> she's a legend and so are you. And thank I'm you so much. To know you. I'm proud of you. You've done a well, thank great you. job with that. And you know what? Those people will come to you. They, they, they will. Probably later than sooner, but... Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's, I hope they do. And I hope we all do because it's, we're better together, you know? And, and, and that's the thing. It's, I think with, with women and with the inequality that we've got so accustomed to, we're always at this competitive streak, you know? And it's kind of, and, and not all because obviously we're not because we don't, we're just not programmed like that, but so many of us are. And they just look at each other as competition. And because there's so much of a small slice of the pie, they, they do so much competition and they don't want to be, you know, being triggered off different women and going, oh, well, if, if I support that, well, then I'm going to, my little tiny bit of the pie is going to disappear because people are going to think that I'm siding with her and that I don't want to go against him or, or that. And that's kind of sad. But I hope that changes because what we are seeing is that when you do address this, the issue, people are like 2FM completely turned around and, and they're playing 40% um, female artists on their radio. And, and the women that aren't supporting me, they're benefiting because their artists are being played off the air. And you're kind of going, you know what, if, if you... If we all collectively speak up, this would be a, a really quicker process. But you know what? We're we're going to keep going forward, and hopefully, sure. and to anyone that's listening, and I say this all the time, like you know, this my door is always open. Like, I, and 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 I love that I could just have I just dropped Una a, a DM, and I could just message you and go, look, just want to come on this podcast and talk about it and celebrate each other and, and lift each other up because I think that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Una made this point earlier on, and she she nailed it right about how how she how she got started when I she, and she was like it was organic and people just helped me mm. and it's the same thing. So yes. you're always going to have that in every sex. You're going to have the people mm. who control and won't share with anyone. And are you know I'm the terminator. I'm this person. I'm the police. I'm this, and they won't help anyone. Mm. Those people, those days are gone. That's an eighties mentality. It is like yeah, it's an, it truly is. Like yeah. now the way it is, and I, and well, anyone I have worked with, and I've worked with the best of the best, and Una, so of you, we all have, right? Good people will succeed. Yeah. Good There's people sure. will succeed. And I think Shit. as well, like in terms of that, like what you're, I think, you know, and I'd say you'll agree with me with this, Aoife, that like your business, in terms of like 
PR, Linda, or, mm. you know, and, uh, and the artists themselves and DJs, like performers of all sorts. Like people often ask me, you know, it's often a question when you're in a situation like this or, you know, in a different type of po- podcast or interview or whatever, people will say, like, what, what what experience have you had as a woman in the industry? And, like, I would say from probably from your point of view and from mine, like, it hasn't been that difficult because the cr- the crew aspect has sort of come along a lot, fa- like, a, like over the years, mm-hmm. the w- women have been in starting to be, get more into ma- tour management, into crew, um, yeah. into management. And as, oh. that has, as, that, as that has progressed, it's slowly turning around, you know, but like, it's, it, it, I just think like, it's a lot easier to be a woman and go and be a tour manager and go and figure mm-hmm. that out and make those connections than it is to be a female singer or have mm-hmm. a female band and try and get headline slots at a festival or be a female DJ and get a headline slot at a festival. You know, I just think, yeah, there, and, and it's, that's where your job is more difficult than mine and Aoife's job, I think. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, I could even, even when you were chatting there, like the sense of camaraderie and that family, because, you know, crew has been brought up so many times and, you know, I'd have like, have dipped in and out of that because I'd be doing kind of promo tours with bands and that. And I always love that aspect and I miss it so much where you just kind of, I remember working with Suzanne Vega and Alison Moye and all these amazing women that I grew up listening to that I so, just such an honour to work with them and just kind of being on the road with them if we were doing promotional stuff around the country and, and around the UK, because I, I live in London, I work in London and I'm, and I just miss that so much. But I loved that aspect that when you were with the crew, that it was kind of like, no, oh, it is such a, it's, and I, and I didn't actually experience any type of sexism or any difficulties when I was in that environment. I, I genuinely haven't like, you know, and it was, it's literally just when you're in the, the aspect of like the, the PR, the, the management, the kind of, that's more cutthroat. And, and that is, I'm really seeing it even just listen to the two of you banter back and forth, like, you know, kind of going, oh, I wish it was more like that, that you, you, you aren't threatened by each other. You don't kind of, you know, bite at the kind of, you know, it's, it's, there's none of that where I think that's, it's really, it, there's just so much of it in the world of PR and management and, and, you know. Yeah, more than all of it. Mm. I just think though, the further up the scale you go, or I don't know, maybe Una, or I, I don't know what you attract, but yeah. there are just so many good people out there. And yeah. luckily we have you who's fighting the good fight. Do you know what I mean? I'm being honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah bad. Listen, across, across every industry, you're going to meet the bad yeah. ends, you know, the people yeah. who are more important than the bloody band. And you're like, what are you? Get a more on every one of us is replaceable in about twenty seconds. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Oh look, I, mean, I talked with you and you all day, but we have to wrap it up. Okay. To wrap up the podcast, I always ask guests who and and when I asked him, I asked for it to be a woman because we're, we're, we're educated with books written by men. We're brought up on literature by men. Everything where we have been exposed to from an early age has always been from the authorship or from the penmanship or the creation of a man. So it's, we kind of want to shift things a bit and go, you know, what, what women uh, kind of empowered you when you were growing up and in your profession. And if you could kind of grab a quote from your head, it doesn't have to be word for word, but something empowering a lot of people go with, you know, my, Angelou or Gloria Steinem or you know a poet but for, for you for you too like who and, and what kind of um, mantra or quote really um, you know lifts you up if you're having a shite day do you want me to go first do you know yeah I can't <laughs> <Okay>. yeah <laughs> my favorite author is a lady called Alice Walker mm-hmm. who is a black woman born in Georgia in the 40s who wrote a book called The Color Purple my oh. favorite book I have yeah. ever read and read many books is a book yeah. called she's also a lesbian which I love yeah. um, but she wrote a book called Living by the Word and it's basically um, for want of a better word but kind of paragraphs and short stories and essays from uh, and her expansive life as a journalist as a writer as a as a novelist as all these type things and in it she says the, I think it might actually be on the opening page but I love this she says, live by the word and just to keep on walking. Yeah. <laughs> so simple so and so true. Mm. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. Say that again. Go on. Say, you know what you want to say to go. Okay. Live by the word and just keep on walking. 
Love it, love it, love it, love it. Love it. Swap it yourself, Una. I can't think of any... I mean, my favourite book ever is, and I've read it so many times, is a book called Nico, a book called The History of Love, which is such a crap name, I think, but because uh, it doesn't really... It sounds like a romantic comedy, um, yeah. but it's by Nicole Kreiss, and it's just so beautifully written. And every it's one of those books that you could just pick out little words and pieces of um I'm just I can't think of any um beautiful quotes I mean I, there is one line that I always remember that's like the, the truth is the thing I invented so I could live that I remember oh, thinking that that was cool and then um yeah, oh, yeah and then, but I, yeah that, that, that's just the one that sticks out and kind of like, I love that but uh yeah. but the whole l every every sentence in the book is just so beautifully written and then yeah. I'm also on the audiobook of Becoming by Michelle Obama oh, I've read it it's brilliant and you worked with Michelle didn't you yeah. um, <gasps> and that tour was unscripted she is the most iconic beautiful classy sophisticated smart caring compassionate woman she yeah. is just like I adore her I yeah. really and she's really, a badass as well like she's so mm. She's yeah, she's you know, like, such a hard time, you know. She yeah. is epic. She's an mm. epic person because she's just a good person. Yeah. Oh, ladies, I love you both. Amazing. both amazing. Thank you so much for having oh, Thank you both. Oh my God. Um, just can't thank you enough for taking the time to to come and chat to us today and um, for sharing your stories and your wisdom and your absolute kick-ass personalities. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love Thank you. you. Thanks, Linda. Thanks for doing such a, a cool thing and um, yeah. inviting us to be part of it. Ah, you're so welcome.